The reading this morning is taken from Romans 5, verses 1 through to 11, and is entitled, Peace and Hope. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. a light and fairy sermon here, <laughs> blowing away with the wind. <laughs> right, uh, I'm afraid uh, we have a security announcement. Um, the only people allowed to stay in church this, eve- this morning are those who have an entry ticket. Can I check that you were actually given one of these? Uh, and if not, put your hand up. There's no disgrace. It's the sidesmen that have uh, given the problem. So we're going to give them out because you will need these at the end of the service. Keep your hand up until you've got the bill. Jolly good. How are we doing? Okay, folks, now I'm going to tell you about uh, the best man. 
who uh, was caught in a traffic jam and uh, he was uh, late for the church service. And by the time he was drawing near to the church, of course, all the other guests had come. There wasn't a car parking space to be seen for love nor money. And in his desperate, desperate state, he said, God, if you will give me a car parking space, I'll come to church every Sunday for a year. (laughs) And what happened? A car parking space appeared. So he prayed again. Don't mind, don't bother God, I've already found one. (laughs) Well, we're talking about staying power here, and many of us are more like butterflies than those who persevere. This is not like the story that I'm going to tell you, the true story of someone called George Smith. He was a Moravian Christian. Somebody asked me after the nine uh, nine, uh, o'clock service, where is Moravia? It's part of what is current-day Germany. And the Moravians were ardent Christians, and they did a lot of evangelism. And George, by the time he was 26, had spent six years of his adult life in prison because he'd gone to another state in what is now Germany, a Catholic state, and had preached the gospel, and the authorities there imprisoned him because he was not an authorized Catholic priest. So he was 26 in 1737 when he set sail on a boat to South Africa. Now, in that time, South Africa uh, was only known to the Europeans along the coast. But George went inland on his own, and he built himself a place to live, and he planted a little pear tree in the garden uh, that he created, and he lived amongst the Khoi tribe uh, uh, for over five years before his first baptism of one of the Khoi people. He helped them with their agriculture, and he helped them in ways of, uh, uh, of improving their health. Five years to make one convert. And the Dutch church was so outraged that he had actually baptized somebody and was not an authorized minister then of the Reformed Church uh, that they chased him out of South Africa and he had to go back to Europe. Fifty years later, 50 years later, the Moravians uh, set up a new mission to go to South Africa. Fifty years later, uh, they came to the place where his uh, ruined house was. Fifty years later, they found a huge pear tree that had been growing for 50 years. But that wasn't the big surprise. The big surprise was to meet one of the people of the Khoi tribe, an elderly lady who had been converted by George Smith. And she introduced the three Moravian missionaries to others in the congregation that had been faithful all that time. To the best of our knowledge, George Smith died not knowing that. But he was a perseverer. And he did things not because he saw the results, but because he knew it was the right thing to do. So today we're continuing our Blueprint series. For those of you who are new here, it's looking at the characteristics that God wants of us as individuals and of as a congregation. 
and we come to perseverance or persistence or staying power or tapanasi, living in patience. And if we wanted any evidence that uh, this perseverance was a key characteristic of being a Christian, we only need to look at the New Testament and to see how often the word comes up when Paul or Peter or James or the Apostle John are writing. Just listen to this. Two Thessalonians, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials that you're enduring. Hebrews, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. James, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Peter, to self-control add perseverance and to perseverance godliness. To one of the churches in the Revelation, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. Another church in Revelation, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance. Get the message? Perseverance is a key part of our character as Christians. And then we have today's reading from Romans chapter 5. We also not suffer, we glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character produces hope. So it's there at the core of our being. Now, there are two types of perseverance, and we're going to look at both of those. The first is the perseverance that comes as a reaction to suffering. Suffering, writes Paul, produces perseverance. The Greek word is thlipsis, and thlipsis was used in the contemporary times there to describe the pulse, the pressure of the blood going through uh, the uh, body. It was also used for the pressing of grapes and the process of becoming wine. The grapes are crushed and the wine comes out. It conveys the idea of being squeezed or placed under pressure or crushed beneath a weight. In um, uh, uh, old times in England, the people who were found guilty of something but refused to acknowledge their guilt, had a heavy weight put on their chest to the point where the pressure was such that they actually expired, they died. And this is the suffering that Paul is talking about. He's not talking about mild discomfort, but great difficulty. And Thlipsis took many forms for the Christians to whom Paul was writing, and it takes many forms to us today. Thlipsis could mean uh, persecution for the sake of the gospel. It could mean difficult living circumstances. It could mean a chronic illness that robs us of the independence that we would normally want. It could mean financial hardship. It could mean being a victim of abuse that lives on in our hearts long after the abuse has stopped. It could mean disability. It could mean mental illness and depression. It could mean broken relationships. 
So I want you to think for yourself, have you ever experienced flipsis, suffering, difficulty? Are you experiencing it now? Some of you here can identify with that either here and now or in the past. And here's the truth. Suffering is the unavoidable reality of a fallen world. It's what Jesus experienced. Paul says later in Romans chapter 8, we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Suffering is inevitable. It's part of the joining instructions of being a human being. And we can't avoid it. But how we react to it is not inevitable. Suffering can make us or it can break us. It can uproot us or it can help us to put our roots deeper. If we stick with it, if we persevere, then Paul says we get character. And what does character mean? Character means that our circumstances don't define us because we go deeper than our circumstances. And we have learned to go through the hard times and still be the person that we were created to be. We can weather future troubles undamaged because of what we've learned from the suffering that we've gone through. Psalm 1 puts it this way, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So it's not masochism that uh, uh, causes Paul to say that he glories in his suffering. He recognizes that the person that he is when he's writing would not be the same person if he hadn't gone through hard times. He's had to put his roots deeper down and we're called to do that too so that's one type of persecution one one type of perseverance here's another because the first is a reaction to bad things pressed down on us the second type of of perseverance is a reaction to bad things pressed down on others people and situations where we want to see the kingdom of God have full reign And we pray that that will happen. And the perseverance is carrying on with that and not just passing on to the next thing when uh, something uh, uh, takes our attention. We're talking here about lives that are broken and need to know the love of Jesus, of situations that need changing because of the pressure of a godless world on the people that we love and who are close to us. And not just people that we know personally. Sometimes we will feel a sense of obligation imposed by God for us to pray for situations beyond us. Now, to be honest, I'm pretty poor at this sort of perseverance. Paul called himself the chief of sinners and I call myself the chief of butterflies because I move on to other things. If it's out of my mind then it's out of my prayers. If there's no reasonably quick change in the circumstances that I pray for, no developments that keep the issue in the forefront of my mind, then I tend to move on. 
This may mean no longer praying as I once did for a particular person or situation. It may mean no longer offering support. What it always means is that I don't believe that God has it in his mind to change things. If he can't hear me the first time, it must be because I've, he's either given up with the situation uh, or it wasn't ever his intention to change anyway. If I can't conceive of things changing, then God can't either. No results, no staying power. Now that's the opposite of perseverance. It's the opposite of George Smith and his life. It's the opposite of uh, many people who went to China at the beginning of the 20th century and preached the gospel with apparently very few results. They didn't live to see what has happened afterwards. But they believed that there was hope even though they didn't see it. It's true, I think, of Nepal, another example, where missionaries worked for years and years and then uh, had to leave because of a change in the regime. And only as a result of such people as the Gurkhas coming over to this country is the Nepali church hugely more uh, vibrant than it was ever before. I think it's true of those who have worked amongst Muslims in the Middle East, some covertly, most of them because the countries now close the door to the gospel. And yet, because of their prayers, because of their faithfulness, God is finding other ways to work through them and work speak and speak to them. That's perseverance. It's the perseverance that uh, uh, influenced a friend of uh, Ben Barnes. You remember Ben Barnes? You know, he used to, yes, yeah, he used to be. Ben, ben said that somebody, uh, a school colleague of his, prayed for him every day for two years till he became a Christian. That's perseverance. What sustains these people? What is it that sustains somebody who is living under very difficult circumstances but still has that determination to go on and live through it? What is it that gives people the perseverance to pray for somebody even though there's no obvious change in their circumstances? Well, it's not just that they're more resolute in gritting their teeth and determining to go on it's that they are driven by a longer-term vision than the immediate future. They are sustained by faith and hope that goes beyond what they can see. The writer to Hebrews says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Paul's take on suffering is summed up in a later verse from our reading in Romans 5. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In other words, he didn't expect to see change in his circumstances. He didn't require it of God to encourage him to continue to pray. He continued to do it regardless of what his eyes saw. There's a lovely verse in Hebrews 11 when we read of the faithful men and women of old about whom the writer says, these all died in faith 
not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. They believed that even after their death, God would answer their prayers, even if he didn't do so in their lives. So what about us? Let's just think in terms of the the so what of the sermon about persevering in prayer for other people. Now, we're not asked to take on all the prayer needs of the whole world all the time. It's physically impossible to do that. But sometimes God puts on your heart an individual or maybe a situation that he wants you to persevere in prayer with. And if you don't see change, then if you're like me, you move on to other things. Well, you can't win them all. If nothing has changed and you can't conceive of change happening, then grasp on to hope and faith. Sometimes we need a prompt to keep persevering. We need physical reminders that we actually undertook to labour until there is a change in the situation. And that's where your entry ticket comes in. Now, some of you may already, as I've been speaking, know of a situation where you felt burdened to pray and you've given up. Well, in that case, that's the thing to put down in the commitment to pray. Some of you may need time to just think about, okay, well, there's lots of things that it could be, and I just uh, need a little bit of time. Don't fill it out now just because it has to be done in this service. But do take it home and allow God to tell you who he wants you to persevere in prayer about and ask him to give you the hope that goes beyond what you see and feel and uh, what affects your human nature. And then write it down and then sign it as a personal commitment that you're going to continue to pray and then put it somewhere where you'll know where you see it whether it's in your Bible, if you use a daily Bible, or on your notice board, or on the fridge. Um, It won't stick on the fridge, by the way, unless you put something between it and the fridge, because it's not magnetic, but don't worry about that. Find somewhere and just commit. And maybe your faith will only say, okay, I commit to pray every day for a month. See if that makes a difference. Don't expect God to answer because he answers in his own time. But he calls us to be perseverers as Christians. So let's do that. Let's have a little uh, moment of silence so that we can just uh, allow God to fill our hearts um, with either a person or a situation that he wants us to persevere in prayer about. God, give us the strength to persevere and to have hope beyond what we see and feel. Amen.
We're going to respond to that by uh, singing a song. And I just wanted to say that this song has been on my heart all week. Um, And I think it may be 